Tempests and Tides by Annie Vandermeer Mitsoda, read by Jeannie Calvar. green-blue waves seemed to mock her, and though there was not a cloud in the sky, Asahina Meiko felt a gray cloud hanging over her. The Shiginja sighed deeply and looked over the side of the loyal duck, meandering its way from lonely shore, across the water, and back to the city of the cold wind. As boring as this trip has been, she reflected, I am not at all eager to get back home. The placid seas and empty skies boded ill for finding the mysterious storms that brought her out here to begin with, and she would return to her lord a failure. The woman sighed, whirling a little tempest upon her palm. It was her close connection to the kami of the air that made her immediately suspicious of all the reports claiming ships at sea had been lost to storms. Stories abounded of sudden squalls that rose up like angry demons from the ocean. The lucky crews were those that made it to their lifeboats and washed up on shore with tales to tell, while the unfortunate ones washed up dead among the wreckage or were lost beneath the waves. It seemed too convenient that so many small storms could appear without threatening the shore, but after the disastrous typhoon a few years ago, no crane officials seemed interested in looking into the matter. That, or they were too occupied with the conflict against the lion in the north to care. Maiko, however, was not so easily put off, especially after her cousin Kenji was named among the missing. She was so relentless in her request to see ship schedules and shipment information that the daughter of the daimyo intervened on her behalf. Although not highly ranked within the family, Maiko was granted greater respect by the strength of her devotion to, and esteem among, the kami. So Lady Takako granted her wish, a small stipend, a bodyguard, and passage to Lonely Shore City to determine the truth of the rumors. What she didn't expect was how boring the trip on the loyal duck, named for an insipid children's tale about a young emperor's favorite pet, was going to be. The sailors ignored her, and even the Yojimbo ordered to accompany Meiko remained aloof. She had loudly declared that she expected to be attacked all the way to their destination, their crafts laden with barrels of pitch, and yet they had arrived at the busy port without incident. Frustrated at her failure, and determined not to be proven wrong, Meiko spent every last cocoa she'd been given to procure trade goods of her own, to make certain that the loyal duck rode low in the water, appearing to be heavily weighed down with supplies. The merchants protested at the addition, and at first refused to take the goods on board, finally settling on the compromise of lashing them to the deck under oilcloths to be easily kicked overboard if need be. She'd set off from the trade port confident in her plan, only to have that confidence ebb away the closer they grew to home. A shout from the lookout shook her like a thunderclap. Storm! Storm sighted! Meiko turned toward the captain, who looked stricken. In this weather? Where? He called back. 
suddenly, and gaining fast. Fortune save us, very fast. I've never seen its like. The captain's face took on an almost theatrical grimace, and he snapped to attention. All hands, prepare the lifeboats. If we can't outrun it, we're not ending up a cautionary tale. Meiko gasped, shaking her head wildly. No, no, Captain, you must not run. This is what we've been waiting for, the proof I need. He snorted at her in disdain. Proof of what? Piracy? In a gale? No, you do what you want, Shigenja. My duty to you ends when my crew is in danger. You and your bodyguard are on your own. Meiko stood awkwardly to one side as the sailors rushed around her, preparing for the worst, and she watched as the storm moved forward, inexorably, dark clouds boiling. The wind tugged at her clothes, and around her the sailors had begun to babble in fear, clustering near the sides of the loyal duck and struggling with the lines that held the lifeboats. Maiko tried to shout at them to wait, but she wasn't sure about any of this but she was hardly audible over the shriek of the wind. Her heart fluttered in her chest as she tried to focus. What if I'm wrong? She stared at the approaching storm, angry and fearsome, and swallowed hard. But I am so deep in madness already, I might as well follow its path. Abandoning her protector, Meiko took off in a run aft, pale blue robes flapping around her, and clambered up the railing of the ship's stern. Half closing her eyes, she reached out an arm and waved her hands as if clearing dew from a leaf. Kaze no Kami, Lord of the Winds, hear my prayer. I shall provide whatever boon you ask of me, if only you help me now. A great blast of wind bellowed forth from the young Shigenja's gesture, slamming into the oncoming storm. The thunderheads dissipated, and there was a moment of stillness between the fading of the dark clouds and the full understanding of what lay behind it. An approaching ship, rigged with black sails, its bow filled with heavily armed sailors, each of them with a teal sash at their waist. The breath drained from Maiko's lungs like water from a broken jug. I never thought I would be so mad at myself for being right. Mantis! screamed one of the sailors behind her, shattering the sudden calm. Pirates! They're going to kill us all! Meiko reflexively threw herself to the deck as a hurricane of boarding hooks came barreling toward her, landing with a horrifying chorus of thunks on the deck, an awful harmony of their lines being pulled taut. She stood shaking as her guardian pushed past the sailors and ran to the rear of the ship. A hand grabbed her arm, and she looked with sudden shock into the face of the captain, whose expression was a strange combination of respect and irritation. "'You did enough, girl,' he harumphed. "'Get back and let the warriors handle this.' Meiko opened her mouth to form an indignant reply, but was cut off by her own yelp of surprise as the guard pushed her roughly backwards, and the sailors took her arms and pulled her towards safety. In shock, she saw the first sets of mantis pirates heave themselves onto the deck, climbing along the ropes that tethered the ships to one another. One of the crane warriors raised a bow and fired an arrow true, sending a mantis sailor into the waves below. Another attempted to pry a boarding hook loose from where it had dug deep into the wood of the railing and fell over dead with a knife in her throat. Shouts and screams rose as Maeko crouched, pinioned, and she watched crane after crane fall. A rage spilled into Maeko's heart. 
I cannot let violence be wrought against the people who sought only to aid me. She stood, her robes rippling around her, and walked forward, the yells of the merchants once again being consumed by the wind. I am Asahina Maiko, beloved of the Kami, and I will not let these pirates harm anyone. Maiko, eyes half closed, made a sudden slashing motion, eliciting a chorus of yells as one of the boarding lines split, sliced cleanly in half. Another motion, and a second line fell away depositing the advancing mantis into the froth of the waves below. She broke into a run, pale eyes intense, then spun around, palms open, rippling the air in front of her, and the remaining line snapped as if caught in a typhoon, throwing their passengers free. A few turns of her hands, and the mantis pirates standing too close to the railing yelped in surprise as they were yanked overboard. Seeing their chance, the crane guards hacked apart the other lines and finished off the remaining mantis sailors with exhausted efficiency. Meiko's eyes fluttered back open to a strange sound, and a slow smile began to cross her face as she realized her shipmates were cheering for her. This might not end up so badly after... Cheer suddenly cut off as a figure slammed into the deck, rocking the ship with a massive shockwave. Meiko tried to call the wind to form a barrier to protect them, but it was not enough. The guards at the rear of the ship, who had not been blown overboard by the blast, had been slammed to the sides of the boat and lay motionless against the railing. The figure stood slowly. An older woman, perhaps the age of Meiko's own mother, dark of skin and eye and clad in teal linen robes. She leisurely rolled her head on her neck a moment before giving Meiko a measuring look that made the young woman feel judged by an instructor and found wanting. "'Ain't you a clever little bird?' the woman chuckled, her accent thick with the islands of silk and spice. "'Fair amount of power in you, too, seems like.' Meiko bristled at the woman's tone. "'I am Asahina Maiko, sworn to the crane, and this ship is under my protection. Leave now or suffer the consequences.' The woman smiled approvingly. "'The name's Kodaka.' Tenkinja of the Mantis clan, priestess of tempests and tides, disciple of Sui Ten. I've always wanted to test my powers against your family. Her smile grew predatory. So, let's see which of us are more favored by the kami, shall we? Meiko nodded, which turned into a surprised yelp as she somersaulted backwards, blown head over heels by a blast of air from Kudaka's outstretched hands. Growling with embarrassment, the young Shiginja righted herself and asked the spirits to mind her descent, settling her to the deck carefully as she planned her next move. Quite the roar you made just then, Kadaka observed, clucking her tongue. I didn't think birds did that sort of thing. And I didn't think mantis were so talkative, Mako shot back, sweeping her arms left and right in succession, sending drafts whipping along the deck and up into the air. Kudaka dodged like a bending reed, leaning at angles that seemed impossible. The gentle bending resolved into a flipping kick, the older woman sending a blade of air screaming back toward Meiko, who raised another shield of turbulence to bat it away. Before Kudaka could attack a second time, Meiko lunged forward and blew out a long breath, sending a blast of air that sent the older woman awkwardly stumbling back a few paces before she caught her balance. Good! crowed Kadaka, clapping in appreciation. Isawa Asahina should be proud of his descendant. 
You're pretty young to have such good control over the Kami's gifts. Her smirk turned dark. But I've got the advantage. The woman suddenly spun in a circle, and a whirlwind lashed the ship, sending the entire vessel creaking and rocking. Mako quickly blocked the attack and opened her mouth to unleash a blistering retort when she looked behind her to see sailors slumped in various positions around the deck, bruised and groaning, but alive. She turned toward Kadaka in shock. The older woman merely nodded. You see what I mean? She crossed her arms confidently. Mako snarled. You said this was a duel! Kadaka shook her head. Never said that. But, more importantly, you gotta learn how a true test of our powers works. Whatever we do, however neatly we try to fight, there are consequences to everything around us. My people are all waiting for me to finish up here, while yours are out in the open. Even if you beat me, it's likely they'll still lose. Now, you want a surrender? Or do you have a move that'll actually catch me off guard first? Maiko's mind raced. She glanced at the banged-up sailors behind her, the Manta ship floating in the near distance, with the sailors she'd knocked into the water already climbing up its sides, at Kadaka, who looked at her evenly, back at the sailors and the anemic flutter of the sail in the... Wait! Of course! Spinning around, the young Shiginja pointed her body toward the sail of the ship and opened the whole of her being into the spirits around them. Kami of air, I beg you, listen to my plea now, even if you never do so again, and lend me your strength. The world seemed to explode into a roar as a massive gust of wind erupted from Meiko's fingers, snapping the sail of the loyal duck so violently that the mast nearly cracked with the force. Sailors howled as they skidded across the deck, and even Kadaka cursed as she was knocked off her feet. The sail billowed as Meiko channeled air into it for what seemed like an eternity, until the young woman's power ebbed and she slumped to the deck, exhausted. She turned to see the mantis ship in the distance, gaining on them quickly but still far enough away to have made her gambit worth it. Kodako stumbled to her feet, groaning. Ow! I got handed to you, girl. That was a move I didn't see coming. Don't know what it'll really get you since my ship will catch up to us soon enough and loot your supplies, so... Kadaka's words trailed off as Mayako stumbled over and pulled the oilcloth from one of the lumps on the deck, revealing a stack of clay bricks. This is our cargo, she coughed, shaking her head. Not jade, not gold, just bricks. Something I knew would weigh us down, to catch the eye of anyone looking for a worthwhile bounty. So... Mako tried and failed to hide a wince as she stood. The question isn't if you can best me, but how many of us you can take down before your ship reaches you, and if some piles of bricks are worth the effort. Kadaka's face was still for a long moment. Then, slowly, the Tenkinja began to laugh. Got it wrong when I said you took after your family's founder. You're more like his wife who beat him in the victory with no strife. Never thought I'd have that kind of tactic used on me. The older woman shrugged and hopped up onto the ship's railing. Good job, Asahina Mako. Hope we get into a fight again. The smirk returned a final time. I'm looking forward to it.
Kadaka leapt over the side, and moments later Mako spied a figure borne upon the waves, streaming back toward the mantis ship and out of sight. Mako sighed, and her knees buckled. She would have hit the deck hard, but a strong hand caught her and set her down carefully. The captain appeared in her vision, his gaze respectful. "'Lady Asahina,' the captain said carefully, "'the loyal duck is still seaworthy, but in dire need of repair. What are your orders?' "'Unlash all the bricks and shove them overboard. They serve their purpose. We must make our way to the city of cold winds as swiftly as possible.' I have grave news to deliver. She winced and sighed just before passing out. And sometimes I hate being right. The winds whipped around the deck of the poison tide as it returned to Kuden Gote, sending sailors cursing as they leapt after lashing ropes and struggled to bring down waterlogged sails. Kadaka stood at the helm, eyes dark as she communed with the kami, one hand twitching slightly as if carving patterns in the air. The Tenkinja seemed in a different world, her hair and clothes only slightly buffeted by a gentle breeze, although any sailor who approached her was shoved back as if by a gale. At last the ship pulled into the harbor, and she winced as she noticed a trio of familiar figures waiting. Fighting down the urge to spring off the ship and let the spirits of the wind carry her to the dock, she waited patiently to disembark and greet her champion and protégés. "'The poison tide sits high in the water,' Yoritomo observed casually. "'I take it your strike against the jade shipman from Lonely Shore City did not go as planned.' Kadaka raised her chin proudly, gave her students, the twins Fu and Umi, a long instructive look then bowed low before her daimyo. As she straightened, she saw a genuine concern in Yoritomo's vivid green eyes. This was not the casual behavior they usually enjoyed, but circumstances dictated that he know exactly how serious the situation would become. Opposite of the fat, nearly sunk the whole thing, she said evenly. Was a good thing I was able to escape when I did. But even still, we've plenty of shoals ahead for us. Yoritomo nodded seriously and beckoned for Kadaka to speak further. The older woman obliged, taking special care to detail her opponent's inventive thinking. Unusual for the stodgy crane, and the tall man took in every word. Fu and Umi stayed silent as usual, their bright gray eyes darting back and forth between the two. After a moment, a wide grin split Yoritomo's face, so ferocious that the twins edged away from him. So... Well done to that Asahina. It seems one bird among that lot is aware enough to watch the tides, instead of just stare into the murky water, he chuckled. Although, it is quite fortunate the crane has not yet worked out that we supply the crab with that which we seize from them. Kadaka raised an eyebrow. So, what's your plan now? Keep raiding, or change to something new? Yoritomo smirked and cracked his knuckles. We've been sending squalls to Harry Lone targets. That strategy worked to begin our partnership with the crab. But now, with a network established and the crane enmeshed in conflict with the lion, we could truly press our claim on the waters. The big man clenched his fist, and Kadaka saw, with a thrill, the determination on his face. Now, the son of storms comes for the crane, and all of Rokugan will soon recognize the might of the Mantis clan.